Hey, what's up, guys, and welcome to Soxology, a Chicago White Sox podcast. I am your host, Mike, here, and today, my father and I, we jump into the series that was against the Texas Rangers, where the Chicago White Sox dropped two games out of three at home. Then we will briefly preview the Boston Red Sox series, where the Red Sox come into town, and hopefully our boys can break this consecutive series losing streak and win a series at home. That would be lovely. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Today is Thursday, June 22nd, 2023, and welcome to another edition of Soxology, a Chicago White Sox podcast. I am your host, Mike Hartung, and with me, as always, is my father, George. And dad, it was a rough start to the homestand for the Chicago White Sox. But other than watching some frustrating offensive performances from our guys, how was your beginning of your week? How's it going, eh? I was pretty good. I, uh, I've had a really good week. The weather's been great. Getting stuff done. Me and your mom going on a lot of walks. Uh, work's good. Everything's good. Well, we're busy, you know, because it's moving. So we're insane. But uh, uh, everything is well. I, um, I'm i trying to, to change how I watch the games. I'm not going to get frustrated anymore. I'm going to watch every game from now on. Like their, their record is 0-0. It's opening day every day, and I'm just going to enjoy the game for the game's sake. Yeah. You know what? I, I thought the same way. I remember when I was, well, when I say when I was growing up, even I did this last year and I still do it sometimes when, you know, when you're a fan and you get frustrated when the socks are down like six, nothing, or it's 12 to two, some diehard fans can really stay and watch the game. I, sorry, I cannot do it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, it is over. I'm going to go and maybe watch a different game. Or you know, put on some Netflix, but I don't I, think it's you. I think it's the baseball that they're that the Sox are playing because I've never turned away. I'm telling you, I go to games in September when they're a hundred game when they're on a hundred lose uh, lost pace. Plenty of years. This is just not a, a, a fun team to to watch. You know what? In, in old Bill Parcells thing is, you are what your record says you are. The Sox are who they say they are. Been they're 12 games under 500 since the all star rank of two years ago. That's who they are. Yeah, that's that's exactly what this team is just a 500 mediocre team. Yeah, well, let's hope if we improve, we can get up to being a 500 mediocre team. Well, yeah, I mean, right right now, they're 12 games under 500, and right. that is not, uh, I mean, in, in any other division, a lot of people would pronounce them dead at this point. And, Unfortunately, they are not. Fortunately and unfortunately, they are not um, dead yet. They have a chance to win the AL Central, just like almost every team in the division besides the Kansas City Royals. So, yeah, it's uh, it's a frustrating watch. And we'll obviously dive into a couple of the games against the Rangers where it was frustrating to watch. But again, there's some fun things that are happening with the team. And then there's some things that you scratch your head and you're like, why aren't we consistent on, you know, and what, why can't we be good for five straight days? Why does it have to be, you win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It's just, uh, it makes for a long summer of baseball. That's for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Reds just won 11 in a row. Um, they've got a lot of good young players names that everyone's going to know in the coming years, but, um, still, I mean, they made some trades of their starters a year or so ago that everyone, their fans were just ready to throw up. They were giving up. And uh, now uh, it's, it's excitement. So you can turn it around, but we just need to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to recap this series really quick against the Rangers. The White Sox lost the series in Chicago, only won one game out of the three game set. Uh, they are six games back in the central and the White Sox record after the series is 32 and 44. The Rangers after the series are 46 and 28 and they are first in the AL West, which is surprising uh, to most because I think this team won 69 games last year. And now they're leading a division that 
most thought were was going to be uh, a, a juggernaut of a division and not because of the Rangers, but because of the Astros, the Mariners and the Angels and the Rangers are up top and they're hitting the ball very, very well. And we'll, we'll mention some of those guys that on their team that really smashed the ball against the White Sox this series. Uh, the Twins won today. So like I said, the Sox are six games back after they lost yesterday. They were five and a half games back. Uh, there was some good news in the series and some bad, uh, some confusing manager decisions. And, um, you know, I think we should just dive into it, huh? I'm in. Let's go. Game one. Uh, the Rangers beat the White Sox five runs to two runs. And Tanner Banks started the game for the White Sox. I believe this was his first start of his career. Uh, he normally just came out of the bullpen. He was down in the minors um, throughout his entirety of his minor league career, doing a lot of uh, starting uh but I, I don't think they think of him as a starting pitcher in the future. They use him as an opener. Uh, he faced off against Andrew Heaney, so it was a lefty-lefty matchup. I feel like might just be me, but I feel like a lefty-lefty pitching matchup now is kind of rare in, in the league. I feel like a lot of guys are righty. I don't know if it's always been that way. I guess you can touch on that through the decades of, of baseball fandom that, that you had. Um, well, in 78, the White Sox were in the cover of, of Sports Illustrated, with all the pitchers holding their the ball out because they had five starting lefties. All their whole staff was all lefties. And what year was, was that? Uh 78, I believe. It was 78. It was uh 78, 79. It was Tex Wortham, Ross Bumgarten, um, Ken Kravick, and a young, young Britt Burns and Steve Trout. That was their five lefties. Yeah, that's that, that's hilarious because I feel yeah, like nowadays I, I I rarely see a lefty lefty matchup in a in a game. Well, if you want to, what you do is uh what get go to the go other side you. of your room from the TV and watch the game through the mirror. <laughs> that is uh stupid. I was also going to say uh, how about I go to my TV and just put on a YouTube, you know, game and sure. just watch a watch an oldie oldie yeah. game there. Um I'm, ass- I'm assuming Lefty Grove and Lefty Gomez were both lefties, but I never saw them pitch. <laughs> And, and in this game, you know, Andrew Heaney, he's a lefty in the White Sox in 2020. Remember, they won like 14 games that year against lefties. They were 14 and 0. Um, and then in 2021, they were pretty they had a decent record against lefties. And then it kind of just started evening out from there. Yeah, but, nobody, everyone, no one wanted to start a lefty against us. It was just like they'd go anything they could do. They'd start like a middle. Yeah, and then now, now it's like, I don't know what happened. But after three years, it's just it's. You know, all right. Who cares who we throw out the White Sox? They're, yeah, they're not going to. The White Sox. It doesn't really matter. They're not going to hit. Um, if they get three hits, that means the bases are loaded before the inning's over. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and in this game, you know, Tanner Banks kept the Sox in it after three and two thirds innings. He wasn't great. Uh, three earned runs and in, in three and a in two thirds innings. Um, again, not what you really want to see, but. For a guy that's not used to starting, I thought that was fine against a juggernaut offense. Yeah, that was, that was um, good. And, and don't say it wasn't great. He might be our opening day starter next year. Don't don't. <laughs> yeah, we'll see what the Sox do closer to the deadline. Um, I mean, the story was the offense for the White Sox. Uh, they they had nine hits, which is good, but you know they two two runs and um, zero for nine with runners in scoring position. You know that that won't get the job done. It was nice to see a back-to-back home runs by Vaughn and Robert Jr. That was cool. Luis Robert, I want to talk more about him after this series. I just feel like, you know, we're supposed to expect, obviously, and we all expect him to be great, but I don't think a lot of people are giving him credit for, you know, he looks bad at the plate sometimes, and then he shows up and he's killing the ball and making great plays. There's, There's like 21 days or 30 days where he's hitting great, and then there's 15 days where he's, three for like 59 or something like that. And, and that's yeah. just, uh, and, and, and I, and he can affect the game so many ways. I, uh, I, I don't know, especially right now with him being 12 under, but with his speed, I don't see why he can't steal 30, 35 bases in a season, but I don't want, you know, he's hurt his hand and his thumb a couple times sliding into second or third. And so I don't know if I want to put him under that risk right now, but that's a part of his game that I would like to see him, uh, you know, elevate and work on. Yeah, I mean, he, he he's such a dynamic player. You're right. It would be great to he have him steal some. And even when he's in his three for 59 funks, he seems to be playing center field very well still. Yeah, which is which is great. And and him and Moncada, I will 
I will praise them for those are two guys that will not carry their at bats in the field. They they normally are are pretty good out there. Whether yeah, or not they're, well, if they're that hitting. was the case, we would never see Mancada because. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and you know, the, like I said, the power is coming with this team. It just seems like they're hitting a bunch of solo home runs. That's because there's no plate discipline, and plate discipline and pitch recognition has been the the downfall of this team for the past couple of years, uh, especially for their key players. They only had one walk this game again. Uh, they are last in walks in the major league by like a lot. So the uh, similar path as they did last year. So I don't think it was Frank Manichino <laughs> that the reason why the team was bad. Oh, are you calling to fire another hitting coach now? Is that what you're <laughs> and uh, yeah, Please sorry. Do. Sorry, Chris Johnson and, and Tozar and all those guys. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in this game, pitching was fine. Andrew Heaney looked okay. Uh, Rangers, that Josh Young kid is awesome. He's going to be a name for fans out there that you're going to hear. I, I, He's huge. He's betting third in this Ranger lineup. He had three hits this game. One of them was a home run. Um, Josh Young spelled Did you see G-U-N-G. him play third as well? Yeah, he was at he was pretty good at third yeah, base. Yeah, I mean, and he, he ranged. He, he was His uh, arm's really good, too. He's a his arm is really good. Uh, he runs the base as well. No relation to Carl Jung, the Swedish like philosopher, psychiatrist guy. I looked that up. So, <laughs> well, that's so, that, so the does that mean he's not smart or something or what? What's that? Does that mean he's not intelligent or what? No, he could be fine. He just you know he just doesn't believe in the collective unconscious, I guess. But whatever. You go so, a um, rabbit hole real quick. Yeah, I know. But no, he's great, and he's great, and uh, oh my god. I did not see him play very much. Garcia is a beast. He's the guy is is strong as an axe. I don't know how someone who looks that kind of weightlifted big is so like pliable and, and fluid and at swings the plate. And he, he's got extension. It's not like a top handed muscle guy swing. Yeah, Adelise Garcia, twenty twenty one rookie of the year, uh, and hit a lot of home runs last year. Sitting a lot of home runs this year, and he's. Uh, think like third in RBI this year in the league. So good for him. They have a, the Rangers are just stacked. Even their seven, eight, nine hitters like Duran and, you know, those guys are, are killing the ball. So um, good for them. You know, I, I think that's enough for game one. There wasn't really too much else I wanted to dive into. So game two, uh, this was the controversial game here. Uh, the White Sox win seven to six. It's a big, big win, and there was this controversial ending that we'll talk about. Zach Remillard, he was the hero again. I think it was the first time since, like, 1950 that a player had two game-winning hits within a four-game span to start their career. I think that's pretty cool. Um, the bottom of the order, him and Andrus were, were doing things this game, so that was awesome, having them actually not just be – over fours, the the whole game was nice <laughs> to see, uh, and and that that was really helpful for the Sox to score a lot of runs and win this game. And we'll talk about that play in a second here. Dylan Cease versus Nate Eovaldi, great pitching matchup. Wouldn't think the score would end out seven to six with these two guys on the mound. Cease looked pretty good. He had nine Ks in six innings. He lowered his ERA to a four two two. That was nice to see for from him. Um, obviously he's getting back into it. Uh, we'll see. Uh. Uh, I, I guess we'll see if he can start getting back to his second place in Cy Young, Dylan Cease, um, as you know, of last year. Um, but looking better. And Keenan Middleton and Santos, they got beat up a little bit. And those are two guys that have pitched a lot for the Sox, and they've been pitching pretty well. Uh, and Graveman got the save. So that was cool. And, and Graveman, uh, I think this is like seventh save of the year. So he's been basically the closer since – um, Hendricks has been out and I just wanted to mention Aloy Jimenez big home run uh, in the first inning to take the yeah, lead opposite field. I loved it. Yeah. And with a guy on base, which is very rare for this team. And, uh, and you know, Andrus had a great day, like I said, and Robert and Anderson were both out of this game, but I think they both uh, came in later in this game. Or yeah, that was Robert Anderson did. at the pitch hit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he uh, moved. He hit a ground ball to the, to the right side and got some guys over, which was what we needed at the time and things we never ever do. But yeah, so um, Benetendi continued to be hot in the leadoff spot in this game. 
Got a couple hits. Um, and finally, the Sox have been trying to do this uh, from the Yankee series on. They finally got Berger cold. I mean, when you hit a grand slam and you don't start the next game, you hit a couple home runs in a game, you don't start the next game, you know, your team's really trying to cool you off here and quit hitting and look like they finally got him where they want him. Yeah, he's, he hasn't looked really good at the plate at all. He hasn't looked really good, but, I mean, when he, he was the hottest hitter in the league, I'm being sarcastic. How did he sit all those games? And, and no, now, I know. Yeah. You know, and then uh, Remillard, again, um, got on on an air, went first to third on a, on a, on a, a, a an, an, you know, on a grounder that went up the middle. Uh, he didn't hesitate. And then he didn't hesitate again on a grounder to the third um, and scored on a, on a contact play. He didn't hesitate to get caught up like we always do or out of the plate. He took off. The third baseman thought about it for a second and then went to first. Um, the kid's playing really heads-up baseball. I, I hope we don't ruin him because he really seems to know the game well. Um, but the kid, he's 29. But I thought Cease looked great. I think I see glimpses of uh, – I've been seeing him for a while, of his old self. Still, the velocity seems to be mid-90s when he used to be a little bit higher than that. But, you know, that's okay. And Graveman did look good, as you said. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it was. And you know, the big the big topic of this game was the the eighth inning uh, when Remillard hit a single to left field. Elvis Andrus was on second base, rounding third, going home. Left fielder threw the ball home, and it um, looked like Elvis Andrus was thrown out at home plate. At that point, it was a tie game at six six in the bottom of the eighth inning. And then the Sox are like, well, we'll challenge it. Why not? End of the game. And it got overturned, which I think was a surprise to basically everybody watching the broadcast. And that means that Elvis Andrews scored. They celebrated in the dugout. Great to be a Sox fan. Graveman comes in, closes the door. Sox win 7-6. Now, this was a big national story because obviously Major League Baseball changed the rule about 11 years ago where – Back in the day when you were watching baseball, any guy rounding third base who was trying to head home, they basically had the right to kill the catcher, run through the catcher when the ball was getting thrown to the catcher at home plate um, because the catcher was blocking the plate. Well, now they made a rule where uh, the catcher, they're trying to protect the catcher. That's the whole reason for this rule. So they're basically nitpicking catchers on where they set up from the plate. They must give the base runner, a clear lane to the plate. In this instance, the rule does state if you have your foot on top of the plate, even if you're doing exactly where you're supposed to line up on the inside of the, (laughs) not on the outside, but on the inside of the foul line, um, that technically you're still blocking the lane. I think it was a terrible call. And Jonah Heim, I thought, did everything right. And I thought his toe was like, on the his foot was on the back left hand corner of the plate, still giving Andrus room. Um, I don't, yeah, and, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, I think it's it's um, I don't know if the rule's dumb, but the way it's it's being um, implemented is is a little odd. And Gary Sanchez just got called from one yesterday, so two in a row, <laughs> it's, it's it's pretty funny. Well, I mean, the whole point was to put into uh, for the catcher's health back in the day like you said when i watched when i grew up watching baseball um and then the the catchers stood their ground in fact the white Sox had a catcher in the early 70s ed herman who was really known for his using his shins shin guards he'd plant his shin guards there that if you didn't bowl him over he you you had nowhere to slide you would slide it's like sliding into a fence and you're just going to stop before you got to the plate he was famous for stopping a guy, then catching the ball and tagging him. So you either had to bowl him over and he wasn't a little guy or your chances of scoring weren't really good. You know, Sosha got knocked out a couple times. He was a manager forever. Girardi was a manager forever. He said he got concussions and they were badges of honor. Really, the most famous one when I was a kid was in, you know, Carlton Fisk, Red Sox and White Sox, Hall of Famer. In 74, the year before he hit the famous home run in the 75 World Series where you see him dancing and wishing it to go fair and then hits the foul ball. Yeah. You know, one of the iconic moments in MLB history. 
Uh, in 74, in June, he tore up his knee, blocking the plate. And he, uh, all the ligaments were torn completely. And they told him he's never going to play again. Well, he, he was one of the first guys to get into weightlifting and all that. And he built his knee back up. But he said, I'm never going to block the plate again. And he was ridiculed and scorned. And this is 1975. And uh, he said, I've, I've developed a swipe tag. And you've seen it. I mean, uh, that famous play that he had the two Yankees out that they always show all the time, back to back when they threw two guys out on one throw to the plate, both were swipe tags. He never got in front of the uh, plate again. Um, and it, it's there, the most famous bowling over until maybe this one, because, I mean, the play two days ago, which wasn't a, you know, it was a play at the plate, not, a, not bowling him over, was Pete Rose in the 72 All-Star game. Not, root, ended Ray Fossey's career in the All-Star game, scoring the winning run for the National League. I think Cubs' Jimmy Hickman got the single, actually, but whatever. Some old Cub fans might remember Jimmy Hickman, center fielder. Um, and, you know, um, a lot of these guys, Fisk is against this rule, even though that happened to him. So is Sosha. Bocci has been on both sides of it because he was the Bochy. manager. Yep. Bochi. When uh, and there was a player at the same time just before him on the Indians called Bruce Boucher, so it was really weird. And then um, he, you know, he was the manager when uh, they made uh, this Buster rule. Posey got pulled they when they made the rule, and he was like, you know, kind of for it then. And then it, 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 it's supposed to help the guys. And the stupid thing about the call that won the game for the White Sox basically was Steve Stone explained it. He said. MLB in the rule says when the batter's rounding third, he looks and decides what part of the plate he's going to. So if the catcher is standing on the plate, which Heim was at that time, then he's blocking the uh, the, the the decision of the runner to, on the path to the plate. It's total bullshit. And Steve Stone said it was it was stupid. Um, when you come to the plate, there's so much into it. The 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 next batter. Uh, on the index circle, move o- moves over. He's your coach. He tells you whether the throw is coming into the inside or foul side of the plate, and which way you should slide. And Hyman was moving. He did. I mean, he was standing on the plate when early, and then he moved. And then his foot. I think when he caught the ball, his right foot might have gone back onto the plate. But that's to the letter of the rule. Yes, but it was not. He had no impediment uh, to. Andrus uh, scoring. He and Andrus was out. So, but hey, I've seen a lot of head scratchers on um, instant replay. On, on instant replays, I I had to sit there for eighteen minutes when the NFL made up the tuck rule, so the Raiders didn't go to the Super Bowl, and uh, so um, so they could give the ball back to the Patriots. And um, I mean, it there's been a lot of stupid things. So it, it, this one went in our favor. I'm not gonna, you know, lift the look at gift horse in the in the mouth but there's there's people that have been injured and still don't like this rule and there's managers that are for and against it um i don't think they're there i think they're going to tweak it this year because it's the, the controversy but i don't think too much is going to change no i i don't think it's too much is going to change at all a lot of fans <laughs> are demanding answers uh they're, they're, a lot of fans want you know, MLB to have a spokesperson come out and just say exactly why they made this call rather than having Jason Benetti secretly call a guy in that office and get the answer and then tweet it out. <laughs> it's just <laughs> a lot of people just want accountability for what it is and more clarity for what it is. I just seem like it's a it just seems like it's a subjective case by case thing. They tried the best that they can, you know, to, to get it right. I just think um and technically, they did get it right on this case, but I, I, I think they need to rewrite it because he was clearly out. Um, well, the, the funny thing was when um, he was protesting it and coming out to, to argue, who are you arguing with? The, the umpires there called well, it your well, way. Well, right away. They're override. They, they didn't have – they don't have any authority to override. Well, he, he gets tossed no, right away. New York. Yeah, so it was kind of funny. I mean, he just kind of lost his mind, but – it was funny because he's not like who. Why are you arguing with me? I I called him out. Well, yeah, that, that's why you can't argue instant replay, and that's a, a rule. Right. So, so um, it was just funny to me that he was out there arguing. That is funny. Yeah, but so. yeah, no, that was about game two. But the Sox won. Yeah, that it was, was the great, big thing. and that was the big thing. And um, you know, game three, I'm gonna jump there. 
Uh, the Rangers yeah, won six to three against the White Sox to win the final game of the series. Jonah Heim revenge game. He had a three run home run, basically to secure the win for the Rangers. So he was pretty pissed when he rounded first base too. I don't know if you saw, but he, um, he mirrored what the umpires would do when they go to instant replay by cupping both of his hands over his ears a little bit. Um, so I thought that was, that was funny. Um, and, uh, so yeah. And Jonah Heim, great catcher. He's one of the better catchers in the AL, uh, hitting and, and fielding wise. Andrew Vaughn hit another home run. He's been really hot lately, and he has a lot of RBIs, leading the team in RBIs. Um, you know, this guy's going to probably have close to 100 RBIs and I would say maybe 25 home runs, and it's about what Abreu would give you. So I, I think um, – I mean, he, he, yeah. he runs into stretches yeah. too, right? But I, I, I think I think in the long run, this will be – he'll be a good first baseman for a while for the Sox. I totally agree. He does he, – and he's what is he 24 25 he came pretty because of covid i think he had very few uh minor league at bats I, I think he was like he's that, 20 like, he's 25 years old 25 so he's young and so and and he's been moved all over from left to right to you know out of the lineup so now he's got first base it's his he's in there every day i think um i think you're right he's going to end up with over 20 maybe 25 homers Around 100 RBIs, depending on who gets on in front of him, he should get right about there. And um, he also, I've seen him hit the ball very hard. That seems to be caught on the warning tracks. He's 25. As he gets older, gets stronger, some of those are going to go out. And uh, I, you might have a young hitter here who's going to be a 30 home run, 100 RBI guy for a long time. So I keep hearing people getting frustrated with him or – you know, him maybe talked in trade talks. I think first base isn't your problem for a while. Just let him play. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think I, I feel the same way. I'm on the jump to Michael Kopech. He was pulled after 86 pitcher, pitches after the fourth inning. I wanted your take on this because I was surprised when he got pulled. I know he had a, he was struggling after the third and fourth inning. And I I don't know if you heard Pedro Grafal's response to why he pulled I him. I did. Um, I did, and because uh, I was searching for everything, I watched the post game, and I was trying to think because the the the, the socks are t- terrible. They think it's good about you know lying if someone's injured or letting Mankata in his back or Anderson in his wrist play for a month when they shouldn't be out there. Uh, so I was wondering if the guy if he was hurt again. To be honest with you, everybody That's did. What I Even Benetti and Stone said that they yeah, thought he might have been I, hurt. But then Griffal's reasoning that I'm sure, you, you, like you said, you heard, he said that it was 86 pitches, which the ba- the bad inning, if Ben Attendee catches that ball, he's out of that inning. I think he had like high teens in pitches to get, and that, that was with two outs. They scored two runs, two or three runs that inning. If Ben Attendee makes that catch, Kopech doesn't throw 18 more pitches and, and Texas doesn't score. So, um, and it wasn't the easiest catch. I think he should have caught it, though. He got a little bit discombobulated to get close to the wall. But anyways, I, I kept – Rafal's basic point was he was at 86. If he goes back out there, I'm getting him up to 105, 110. If everything goes well, he goes, we have a day off tomorrow so the bullpen can rest. He thought it was wise to get him out of there. I would have liked to see another inning, especially after what happened with Jimmy Lambert. Uh, well, but, well, I, I no. would have liked – I. I would have liked it if they didn't put Jimmy Lambert in there. I mean, he's a guy that they just recalled up for after a rehab, right? And, and they just right. they just recalled him. And now it's uh, how come you don't throw your? Because I, I he has no problems when they're losing twelve to three to throw Joe Kelly and and all of the studs in there. Like right. I, I I I don't know why he didn't pitch somebody else. Uh, I know Santos yeah. and Middleton pitched the day before. Um, I don't know if uh, I, I got to check if Kelly pitched the day before, but I know the bullpen was taxed from the day before a little bit, but it's no, Middleton uh, and Santos and Graveman. I think that was uh, all that came in after cease. Right. I think so. Uh, um, the day before. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know why Kelly wasn't the guy that you go with there. And, and, and I know it's an early, it was the fifth inning, but you're only down. It was three to one at that point. Yeah, Three to one. 
So I, I'm like, okay, the Sox can can actually stay in this game. And then that's when Jonah Heim hit the home run against Jimmy Lambert. Then it was six to one. And then you go, okay, I I don't think there's any chance that the Sox team's going to score five runs to, to get back. They tried a little bit, um, mm-hmm. but you know, they only got four hits this game and that's, that's another issue. And they strike out. They didn't strike out a lot this game. Martin Perez pitched for the Rangers. And as you preface before the series, Martin Perez normally pitches okay against the White Sox. I think that one time uh, it, at the cell, I think last year he pitched really well against them too. But um, yeah, it was just, it was a weird, frustrating game. Uh, and I, I think that whole process of taking Kopech out, I'm like, I, I'd probably rather have Kopech in than Lambert, but I'd much rather have anybody else but Lambert in than Kopech. So I get the reasoning there. I just don't get why you would have Lambert in there. Totally agree. I I don't know why either. That didn't make any sense then, and it doesn't make any sense to me now. But I I did want to bring up, and I forgot to even put him on my sheet, Tuki Toussaint, man. What? Look at that guy. I don't know if you watched him pitch at all. His curveball was looking great. He had four pitches that he was throwing, and uh, everything looked fine. He his big thing always was control is control. I think he has like 180 innings in the league. I'm going to look at this. I, I think he has like 100. Yeah, 178 innings pitched in the league. He has like 111 walks. <laughs> That's <laughs> unbelievable. <laughs> so I, I, I heard we picked him up. And um, what I really knew about him was when he came up with the Braves like three, four years ago. He was their he, he was the young guy that they were counting on more than yeah he was the fiftieth or these other guys that have done really well fiftieth prospect in all of baseball out of the top one hundred at that yeah point. He, and and I remember it was because we both play fantasy baseball that he was eligible as a starter and a reliever and I thought aha I'm gonna outsmart everyone and get this kid he's gonna be Atlanta's next great pitcher and it just didn't work out he said he just could not and still cannot find the plate although he did. For one game. Well, yeah, one game against the Rangers, four innings, four strikeouts, two walks. Um, yeah, you I'll, had a you, you had a great uh, story about how his day his two days went. That was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean he he literally was on the Cleveland Guardians and he pitched for them on Friday. Saturday he got cut. Sunday off day, Monday off day. Tuesday was his birthday. The White Sox called him saying, "Hey, we want to sign you." Signs with the White Sox. Wednesday morning, they say, Hey, you got to hop. You, you got to come to Chicago right now. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to uh, be on the roster, not knowing he was going to pitch at all. He got stuck in traffic from O'Hare. He learned how bad 94, the Kennedy is getting in now, especially with other construction that they got going on. And yeah. he got to the stadium at 6 PM. It was a 7 PM start, 7, 10 start. And the dude, all of a sudden pitching and then all of the reporters are asking him after the game, like, Oh, like, did you have a chance to like talk to Kopech and all the guys about the team that the, the, like the Rangers and their scouting reports? He goes, no dude. Like I just got here. Like, I don't know anybody. <laughs> He's like, I don't, I haven't had a chance to talk to anybody. So that was a cool little story and good for Tukey. I, I, as a Sox fan, I wouldn't expect too much out of him for the rest of the year, but I thought that was a cool moment for him. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, the whole series kind of was a downer. We lose another series again. Yep. Um, we, um, we haven't won a series since the Yankee series, right? Yep. Haven't won a series since the Yankee series. So that is four series in a row, I believe where they yeah. uh, lost. So, yeah. So that's, and then I didn't see him pitch at all. Not one pitch. And I saw the post games show. Cause I got back kind of like you were saying that you go to Netflix or something. Cause these guys are such a bad watch. I uh, I went out for a walk after it was six to one. I go, I'm getting out of here, and then uh, I went walked around the neighborhood for an hour or so, and then uh, got back and saw that. But um, well, it's a great story. That was, that was a funny story. Uh, kind of reminds me of Pascal Perez. You ever drive through Atlanta? No. It's crazy their highway system there, and there's ramps all over the place. Pascal Perez was a pitcher for the Braves, all star pitcher, and he was supposed to start, and they couldn't find him. He couldn't find the exit for the stadium. He said he drove past it like a hundred times. So he, he missed he missed the game. He missed the game. <laughs> he couldn't figure out how to get up the highway. That's hilarious. Yeah, it was. It was pretty funny. But no, that's a great story about Tukey. And uh who knows? You know, um 
you guys who can't find themselves sometimes put it all together. That's why sometimes you're scared trading a guy that you feel is talented and just hasn't had uh, it translate into um, on the field or at the plate success or on the mound because you're always thinking, you know, and these things happen quite often. It, you know, you get a couple organizations give up on you and someone else is ready to um, jump up on you. Like uh, I know Cardinal fans are really um, – frustrated and tired of Flaherty. And uh, I'm, I'm not my favorite guy either because the way he threw the catcher under the bus, like blaming all his his uh, problems on Contreras. But uh, I, everyone, you know, the Cardinals deserve that. They knew Contreras was terrible behind the plate his whole career, except for his Yeah, but arm. who knows? Maybe Jack Flaherty and, uh, Atlanta, finds a home, you know, finds a home somewhere else. Well, that's what Atlanta's interested in trading for him is what the rumors are. So um, Atlanta, with their history of pitching – what, yeah, I think I think I'm thinking really... I'm thinking they see something like they're watching it and they're like, "Hey, well, look good at teams, this. good we... teams do that." And the White Sox, you yeah. know, to their credit, sometimes they fix guys and sometimes they, they have don't. In the past, so. Coop you had, had a lot of success with some guys that and, and uh, cat, cats right now. Some people are saying cats can kind of be the same way, but yeah, I like cats. I, I got on against them. Yeah, me um, either. Soft spoken, yeah. you know, not really in front of yeah. a camera type guy. I worry about his position just because the team's doing so poorly and he was inherited. He wasn't uh Grafal's guy. Uh, Grafal has no power right now, I'm saying, but if if he was to make excuses or something, he could say, you know, he didn't let me have my own pitching coach or something. You know what I mean? No, I know exactly that's, what you mean there. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. That, that's more politics than performance or whether he's good at his job or not. But, that's true. Yeah, no, and uh, another report that uh, before we move on to the – Preview in the Red Sox. Um, Bob Nightingale reports that he's spoken off the record, of course, and uh, uh, many veterans on the White Sox have let the club and, and told him that they've let the club know that they would welcome a trade. Speculation is you know, who, who are we talking about here? One of them said that it's Ben Attendee, that he wanted to come here to win. And if we're not going to win, he doesn't want to be here. Yeah, but, there's, um, but there's no way they're going to be able to trade, you know. Trade four more years yeah. of them. Four more years of, uh, you know, okay left fielder. Well, what they would, what would they get back? You know, because like the Yankees probably would love to have them at this point. They they have nobody. That's what they said would be interested. Yeah, because uh, of all the injuries and everything that they. And they didn't want them for five years anyway. So so. And, yeah right. Yeah yeah, but they could have. They have all the money in the world. So it's interesting. I'm wondering. You know, I'm sure they said veterans. So you're looking. What do you got? Grandal, Anderson. Andrus, I think, um, I think, I think Anderson for sure. I think. Giolito. Um, I mean, Robert and is Robert and Mokata considered? You know, in Aloy, they're all veterans technically. I guess I don't know. But, Robert, if he expressed it, isn't going anywhere. And Mankata, for what he's going to get paid the next couple of years, is untradeable. Oh, for sure, untradeable. Yeah, but so, uh, yeah, no, no, I I heard about that article. Thanks for bringing that up. Yeah, I, that's that's crazy, and it's not crazy. It's actually like. It's expected, especially the way this team's been playing. And I can understand the frustration, but yeah. I literally don't think the Sox are going to do anything. I told you that last podcast, and I'll probably say it again. If, if they're well, relatively in it, I, I don't think they'd do a thing. You mean no Zach Collins for Reese McGuire or Reese McGuire for Deakman? It's not going to happen? Okay, yeah, maybe like one small little <laughs> deal. But I, I, I mean, I, I really do think like at this point, they really have no no minor leaguers to trade. They would have to trade from the major league roster. Um, right. it, it'd just be tough. It'd be tough. Do you want uh, – well, we just talked about how Vaughn's settling in at first, but if you want to go nostalgia, uh, the other rumor that I was reading in the same article was that the uh, Astros are done and want to move on from Jose Abreu. Yeah. And they're willing – they said they, they've let it out there to every team that they're willing to um, – Eat the money. Pick up the vast majority of the money he has left if anyone wants to take him. Wow, whoever so, made that call uh, and their scouting department to, to bring him in must yeah. not have a job anymore. <laughs> right, you know, and uh, I mean, uh, he had the great year for the Giants, but I when I, I have hated watching so many players walk. I mean, I can go back many years to, you know, Trading Chet Lemon or letting you know Ventura walk and all these guys or Rodon, but, um, yeah. But Rodon and Abreu, I get both. We had 
I, I was mad about Abreu because he hit right-handed pitching better than anybody else on our team. And that's our biggest downfall. And um, but we have plenty of first base op- options. And um, and it no, seems there's like, no reason uh, to bring made that call. It seems like his lack of power last year, even though his average and everything else was pretty good, still um, was a uh, uh, a for forbidding of what was coming. So. Um, it was a good call to let him go as it stands right now. Well, you know, I'm, yeah, I like it's, the guy. It's a long a season. Tie. Yep. Yeah. Long season. And uh, yeah. So anyway, I thought that was interesting. Uh, before we previewed the Red Sox, I wanted to say that the veterans and the Sox, who are the reason that we're not doing well, want off the ship. So that's good. Yeah. That's, that's, that's hilarious. And Hey, good, good on them. If they go somewhere else and the Sox can bring back some talent, hopefully not minor league talent because you know, yeah. they can't develop the guys. So, well, I wouldn't uh, mind minorly talent for this one guy that I think is a fit because the Red Sox are having a surprisingly decent year. Um, and uh, the one thing that they're uh, having problems with is shortstop. Uh, they're, they're, they have no shortstop. And uh, they're even talking about um, the Padres, DFA, Jose Iglesia, that used to be on the Tigers and the Red yeah, Sox. Yeah, he was rumored to be on the White Sox, uh, you know. Yeah. Because he's a really good fielder, he's just never been able to hit, no matter where he's been. And um, um, I, you know, based on the second year he had last year, if they could get a prospect, doesn't have to be a top prospect. Uh, Elvis might be a fit there. That might be a trade we could pursue. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know about Elvis Andrus for to the Red Sox. His OPS is like five sixty eight. I was thinking more like well, 10. he's hitting better lately, and I'm based on last year's second half. I'm not thinking they're getting anything really for him, but you might get a, a anybody a long, you know, a long shot prospect. And I think I, I was just saying if you're talking to Iglesias, Andrus is better than Iglesias. So. Oh yeah, Iglesias. Yeah. yeah, and then and then you know, um, yeah. I mean, I read an article that you know, this Red Sox fan put up saying like Luis Robert for like Jaron Duran and then one of their other top prospects or something. like that. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. All the Sox fans are like, are you on crack? <laughs> yeah. No, but yeah, the Red Sox are coming into town. Um, I don't have a chance to really go to a game this weekend. I'm kind of happy about that because I feel like I would just be disappointed, but it's probably going to be a beautiful weekend on the South side. And the guys are, um, you know, both Sox are playing, which is cool. I was like the watching the Red Sox come in. It's 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 nice uh, seeing that Boston B on the Caps. Um, no, I um I always get excited. Uh, it's it, it could be showing my age or whatever. Although I did grow up in the divisional um, league, I wasn't like an old time like my dad, where there was just AL and NL. There were no divisions. Um, but whenever I see the 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 old time teams that have been around forever, uh, like the Red Sox and Yankees and to, the Orioles were from 58. They used to be the St. Louis Browns, but I always love seeing the Orioles. Um, um, the old Eastern teams, when they come in, it's, it's really exciting for me to see them. Yeah, I agree. Yankees, Red Sox, you know, all, all those, all those teams. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, and the Red Sox are coming in uh, 39 and 37. They are last in the AL East, but, They'd be first in the AL Central if they were if they were in the Central. Um, they've had a mediocre year as a team, and like I said, the White Sox are thirty-two and forty-four, so they are twelve games under five hundred and uh, only six games back. So so not um, not terrible for them. Now the Red Sox are twelve and a half games back of the Rays, and they're two <laughs> games above five hundred. <laughs> so that just shows you the disparity between each uh, division. But the Red Sox, they're coming off of a four-game set against the Twins. They won the first two games, and I thought it would, you know, the way the Red Sox were playing, I'm like, oh, they're, they're going to not sweep, but maybe win three out of four games. And the Twins won the last couple games. Uh, yesterday, they won in extras, and uh, Kyle Farmer for the Twins hit that that walk-off single yesterday against the Red Sox. But the Red Sox are just an up-and-down, not-consistent team. Um they, I, we can just run through. Let's do the lineup first, huh? We'll, we'll talk about who they have as position players because yeah. it's not, there's no Mookie Betts, there's no JD Martinez, there's, you know, obviously they have their big man. Yeah, one super, they have one guy that I consider pretty close to a superstar, if not. Yep. Superstar. And it's, it's, 
it's Rafael Devers, their third yeah. baseman, and uh, he just signed a huge contract. Heim Bloom, the uh, GM for the Red Sox, really needed to do something after getting rid of Bogarts and and Mookie Betts and all all those guys. So uh, smart of him to make sure Rafael Devers stays for a while. Justin Turner's on this team. He plays first base for them. He was obviously a long. Uh, he stayed a long time on the Dodgers. He won that world series with them in 2020. Um, and then their shortstop Pablo Reyes is who they have here <laughs> right now. I, I well, mean, I, Hernandez has probably played more than him, but yeah, yeah they're both. Kike, Kike is probably Kike Hernandez is probably yeah, the guy. Yeah, um, he's, well, they, they, he's, it's a failed experiment. So they are leaning on the, on the, on the other guy more now. So, yeah, but obviously Kike Hernandez is there. And then uh, second baseman, Christian Arroyo, he's basically been their guy there too. He's been hurt a little bit. Um, catcher, Connor Wong. And actually, he's been okay. Uh, he's been he, good. Yeah, he's he's been pretty good for them. So keep an eye out for him. Their outfield, I, I like. Uh, Yoshida, I, I love. And he was I know the, you do. World Baseball Classic, and you were uh... – you were big on him before the season started. I do remember that. And and nobody and nobody really thought about him. You know, they were all worried about him. And the guy has an eight sixty six OPS. He's slugging, you know, four eighty six. His on base is three eighty, and uh, eight home runs, thirty nine RBIs. Yoshida's the guy. He plays left field for the Red Sox, and he'll be there for, I think, four more years. And he, uh, it's cool to watch him play really well because in the world baseball classic he really made me open my eyes and i drafted him on my fantasy team uh jaron duran he's the center center fielder for the red sox um adam duvall was their center fielder he kind of goes plays in and out i think duvall is back he he had a great he's just finally back he just hit a home run a couple games ago so yeah he's he had back. a great start to the year adam duvall uh and he was he was playing outfield for them uh, i know he's basically gonna try to dh a little bit for them as well uh, but we will see Adam Duvall in this series. Um, but Jaron Duran, they're high on him. He's 26 years old. Uh, and he's yeah, Duran, Casas, and Dahlbeck have been their two, three prospects I've been hearing about for like four years. And the other t- guys have kind of fallen off. But uh, yeah, and Tristan Casas, you're going to see him too. He's having, he's not having really a great year. Um, at, at not at just mediocre. Um, he'll play first base. Justin Turner will sometimes play first base too. Justin Turner, obviously DH, um, you know, and then they move their guys around all the time. So, yeah. Oh, and Alex, well, and, your next Dodger, they want you. And Alex Verdugo. He, I yeah. mentioned him. He was in that, he was the big piece in that piece trade for Mookie Betts. In the Betts trade. Yeah. Yep. And he's having a, I mean, he's always been a good player. Uh, he's yeah, he's a good a player. player. And, um, he was kind of a because the Dodgers were so stacked. He kind of had a role over there. He's finally playing every day and uh, hitting three hundred on base, three seventy five. He's slugging three four sixty eight. He's pretty good. Yeah, he's a no, good year. yeah, he really and, is. Uh, and uh, the Red Sox, when they did the sale trade, they knew they had Devers in Double A, and that they had no problem giving up Mankata. Uh Devers had a little slow start for like the first month, but now he's. Back up to 237 after a horrible start, and he's got 17 homers and 58 RBIs, and he's a good third baseman. Yeah, so he, the, he is. This is a good team on the field, and they're they're hurting, and they're really upset. I don't know how it happened, but uh, Reese McGuire, they're big on. They, they like him. We traded him for Diekman last year because we needed that one lefty. To, he just got hurt uh, yesterday, I think. Yeah, he just got hurt, and they don't really know what they're going to do for sure. Um. Uh, but they they were pretty pleased with him. They 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 seem very upset. There's talk about uh, I forget was he with the Twins earlier. Sandy Leon was on the Red Sox for years, and he he's not with anyone right now. There's talk about them picking him back up. Interesting, Sandy Leon. But I think the biggest knock. Well, here's why the Red Sox are only two games. Oh no, yeah, that's 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 yeah. The reason why is they're, it's their it's their pitching staff. Yeah, their pitching staff, and and it's mainly been the starters. Although the three starters that the Sox are going to face off against haven't really been bad. Uh, the first guy, the pitching probables are for tomorrow. Uh, Brian Bayo, remember him last year? He came up, and everybody's like, "Look at this kid! He's the rookie." Uh, he has 57 strikeouts, four and four record with a three four nine ERA. Facing off against Giolito, five and four, three four three five four ERA and 89 Ks. 
Um, this will be a good matchup. Uh, do you have anything to say about Bayo? I, I, I oh, think no. he's I mean, like you said, he's four and four, decent ERA, 11 starts. Uh, hits are under per inning, which I always look at. And his strikeouts are good, like you mentioned, almost a strikeout in an inning. And his walks are only 20. He's 24 years old, so he's for showing a little command, pretty good command for a young pitcher. Um, he looks pretty good, and um, and uh, the Sox aren't hitting right now, so it's not a good um, a good mix to see no, it's, a it's pitcher not. who's doing okay. It's not, and so uh, um, the, the, and then the second. So what's game, the next matchup? Second game, James Paxton, a 34 year old left hander who had all the talent in the world and a lot of arm injuries facing off against Lance Lynn. He, so um, two old guys pitching against each other on pa- Saturday. Paxton is the career that never was. I mean, uh, Seattle, he came up, he was, he, he not only did he have great stuff and throw hardy, he just looked the part. He was a great pitcher command, got hurt with them a few years. They wouldn't give up on him because he was so promising. And then he went to the Yankees, and he did pretty good there when he was healthy. Then he kept getting hurt, and now he's bounced around, and he's three and one this year. Seven starts, three two nine. Yeah, seven seven starts. Um, in only thirty eight innings, he's got fifty one strikeouts, and he's only walked eleven. Um, this guy has been a very good pitcher whenever he's been healthy. His track record with injuries is just insane. I, I can't like. I'm trying to find a comparable for him. Just a guy that we had or something like that, or the Cubs had someone we both know that just could never stay healthy. And, you know, maybe a Dotson or a Jason Bray when we had him, not the, when the Cubs had him, he was already done or uh, not Kerry Wood, the other guy they had at the same time, the big starter who, but Paxton never had two good years like that guy had. Uh, He's always doing the towel drill. Trying to get back healthy, he was the he was the first pick in the draft the year the Twins picked Mauer. About pri- pri- prior, yeah, Mark Prior. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, anyways, Paxson really the career that you know. Think of a person that has like an Academy Award in their first movie, and he, and they never you never see him again because that's what this guy is. He's you know. Yeah, he's and he's fun. a lefty, and the Sox are losing against lefties now, so I, I don't yeah. see them. Uh, really hitting him that well. Um, and then on Sunday, uh, Cutter Crawford's going to be pitching for the Red Sox uh, and against to be determined. Uh, the Sox don't have an idea who's going to go. Um, it will be probably another opener situation, we assume. Uh, but they got Lucas and Lance in the first two games. And um, yeah, Cutter Crawford, he is not generally one of the starters to the Red Sox. The Red Sox are pretty decimated at their starting pitching staff. Uh, Chris Sale, 60-day IL. Corey Kluber, 15-day IL. Tanner Houck uh, just got land on the 15-day IL. So uh, Cutter Crawford... Mm. Kluber getting hurt is the best thing he's done for the Red Sox this year. Oh, yeah. He's really, really bad. Terrible. Uh, but uh, Cutter Cro- Whitlock and yeah. Pavetta starts sometimes for him. Yeah, but Cutter Crawford also does. He has five uh, or six starts this year, 14 appearances, 45 innings, 43 hits. Only nine walks in 45 innings. It's pretty okay. No, that's and, really good. And uh, 46 strikeouts. So, uh, decent pitcher. The White Sox, it's funny. The White Sox are facing off against three okay pitchers for the Red Sox, and they have a decent lineup. So, it's going to be a tough series. Uh, let's hope the boys pull it out. I, it will, and actually, let's do the uh, bullpen really fast here. Uh, the top pitchers in, in this in this Red Sox bullpen, since obviously this is the first time this year the White Sox have faced them. Uh, their closer is Kenley Jansen, uh, still very on top of his game. Uh, 35 years old, been a Dodger forever, then was on the Braves last year, I believe, and now he's on the Red Sox. Isn't that his path? I think that was his yes, path. Yes, exactly. And uh, 292 ERA this year. He has 15 saves, 24 innings, 29 strikeouts. Uh, he's just been a guy for them, and good for him. Uh, jo- Josh Winkowski uh, is a another relief pitcher for the Red Sox. He has uh, forty. Young guy. Yeah, young kid. He's good. Yeah, he is. Uh, Chris Martin. He's thirty-seven. He's an old guy, but he has a one-nine-nine ERA in twenty-two innings. Um, so it's very good. 
and then uh, Bernardino, another guy. So they, they have a lot of guys in their bullpen with around a two ERA. And uh, after Brazier. the after those four guys, Brazier has like a seven ERA. And then you look yeah. at some of the other guys they have, and they're they haven't pitched really well, like Caleb Ort and uh, you know, Richard Blyer. It was not not good, but they're really hurt. I mean, they have they yeah, have they're a lot. really hurt, and their pitching staff wasn't that good to come in. I they're in last, and I picked them to be in last in this division, but I thought that um, their pitching would would be their downfall. And if they all stayed healthy, they might have surprised me, to be honest. But uh, and they got Pavetta and Paxton, so that's two Canadians. That can't be a good mix. And then, um, um, but and Kenley Jansen. He's been very solid and very good for a long time. I, I think he's the reason the Dodgers didn't win a couple of World Series because, uh, uh, and that's crazy because he's getting forty saves a year for them all the time. But it just seemed like in the playoffs of World Series could have been that he was just out of gas. But he looked he he couple of those years it looked like he was the uh, he came in and he just didn't think he was going to hold it down. And he didn't do it. But uh, no, they're they're a good team. They're in the AL East. So they got to play all those teams way, you know, you know, um, they're a good team. They're not a great team. They're, they're uh, over 500, but um, they're in last place. Again, I, I think uh, I like our matchups with them. Very interested to see how Lance Lynn pitches coming off his 16 strikeouts. Me too. Because um, this is a decent lineup. And again, I don't want to take anything away from Lance. I'm really happy because he needed a good game. But I watched that whole game, and that that was the biggest strike zone I'd seen all year. I mean, that was a huge strike for both teams. Both teams were complaining about it. So I'm really hope, hoping he can come back. Giolito, I want to keep him to uh, pitch well against show against a good lineup. Um, he's either pitching for his next contract, for a trade, or for us. So uh, good luck to him on all three. Hopefully, it's for us. And um, well, I really want the White the Sox to one? control. The Tanner Banks or whoever's going to start. Yeah, whoever's going to start. But I, I'm well, really. It's got to be Tukey now, right? It has to be Tukey. Maybe give him some rest and say, "Hey, man, you're starting. You know, you're you're starting on Sunday." Yeah. Yeah, I was watching. It's funny in the last series, uh, Ivaldi was is from Alvin, Texas, which is exactly where, uh, um, um, Nolan Ryan's the only two. They're the only two players that come out of uh, Alvin High School in the history. They made it to the majors. And I was watching uh, an All-Star game. I think it was like uh, 79 or 80 All-Star game on YouTube. And Nolan Ryan started. And they go, yeah, he was he was, he was starting on th- uh, three days rest, which he prefers. The The Angels have been starting him on four lately, and he's been complaining about it. And, uh, you know, it's, it's 79 All-Star game. He went about four or five innings deep into the game. It's just, it's just such a different game now. It's hilarious, you know. No, it really uh, is. Our starters are being pulled in the fourth with 86 pitches. Ryan's pitching on three days rest into the fifth inning into like an exhibition game. So he also was an anomaly a little bit of 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 the type of guy, you think? The type that of arm? arm, the type of arm he had. Rubber During arm, almost a hundred when he was forty-five. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, but no, let's let's. Just no, hope- sorry, I, I digressed. No, but let's just let's just hope that the White Sox can win. This uh this series that'd be great um and uh you know that's all, we'll, that's all we'll do we'll just cross our fingers on that yeah and- well I mean they I I thought that Popek or Cease would have a great game and we'd sneak out a win against the Rangers which we did but it, I didn't really predict that um um so they actually could have been swept which is what you were thinking and this game I mean we're about as good as this team so we should each. Win one and let's hope we get See the rubber happens. game. Yeah, yeah, let's hope we get the rubber game. Yeah, well, you know, let's go White Sox, man. I, I'm I'm hoping that they turn things around, and if they don't, then there's going to be a lot of uh, different types of podcasts that we'll have on who's yeah. gone and who's who's not. So I would really like to go see the Red Sox, but I'm not. I I, I can't work busy weekend. This week. Yeah, this weekend's busy. I can't go go see them. Um, one time. Nick and I went, uh, Jose De Leon pitched for the White Sox and he beat Clemens in Boston. And then, the, then they started against each other here and, um, and De Leon beat him again, back to back. Jose De Leon beat, uh, beat, uh, Roger Clemens. De Leon was a pretty decent pitcher. We traded him and got somebody good 
for him. But when we traded for him from the Pirates, we traded Bobby Abreu, the famous contract guy, to the Pirates. Wow. He came up with the White Sox, of all of all people. But uh, I'm going to the Sox game against the Cardinals, so that'll be fun. Uh, but that's a couple weeks away. So, um, anyways, yeah, let's go Sox. Let's uh, let's win two out of three. You know, get just, back on track. You know, just I'm gonna watch regardless, but I don't want to get frustrated six to one and go walk instead of leaving the game on. Yeah, let's keep if it close. Pack away and keep winning some. Start winning some series, and stay. Within a handful of games from the Twins, they're at six now. A bad weekend could be it. We, it could be. The, yep. If the wins, yeah. if the Twins win two and we lose two, and they're eight up, come on, just that put a fourteen under. We're gonna win. It, 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 the math is they're running out of math. So they are. Um, like it, like in the world words of Letterkenny, without about regarding algebra. What are you doing putting letters and numbers together? Why don't you just go fuck yourself? I love this. <laughs> On that note, thanks right. everybody for listening and let's go yeah, White thanks. Sox. All right, go Sox. And that's a wrap of today's episode of Soxology. Thank you so much for listening, guys. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at Soxology2023. You can follow us on Instagram at Soxology2023. Um, we are continuing to move along this frustrating season, so thanks for sticking with us. I hope to do more in the future, but as of right now, we are just going to stick to talking about the White Sox like we normally would on the phone together. So again, thank you for those who listen, and we will see you next week. Thank you.